Welcome to the Journey Church Podcast. It's our hope that the next few moments lead you closer to Jesus, encourage you to grow, and equip you to exist for those not yet here. If you enjoyed today's message, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast so that we can bring you fresh content every week as you continue in your walk with Christ. Let's clap one more time. Make sure we're still awake. And so we're jumping in uh, to week number three. So last week we took a break. Ian preached, did an awesome job preaching on Compassion International. Some of you uh, we partner with them. Some of you weren't here last week and you've watched and you want to sponsor a kid. That will always be available uh, through our website. We'll always have Compassion up there. You don't even have to go to our website. You can go to Compassion International. Uh, we are always going to be partnering with them. We think it's a great organization. Uh, the Bible says that religion that God loves takes care of the, of the orphans and, and, and the widows. And so it's always going to be close to the heart of, of God uh, is meeting the needs of somebody who can't meet the needs uh, for themselves. And so uh, last week we did that. But, but before that, we started this new sermon series, Shake the Dust. And I, I said, I'm going to talk about forgiveness because we need it. We need to understand the power of, of forgiveness. So we, first week we built a foundation. Uh, two weeks ago, I talked to you about shame. You can't forgive other people until you allow the Spirit to for- forgive you, right? What's shame? Shame is guilt with no way out. Some of you carry that. You're, you're constantly, it's condemnation. Constantly hearing what you're doing wrong, constantly hearing what you're doing wrong. It's guilt with no way out. Today, I want to talk to you on the topic of being a victim. And the title of my message, just so I can start with Ralph, you're not a victim. You're not a victim. Anybody, like, some, gets, every service says it gets quiet in here. You're not, you're not a victim. Listen, all of us have been victims of something in our lives. You had parents that have let us down, been abused, many of us, physically, sexually abused. Uh, we've been, have been through situations and circumstances that we wouldn't choose. We've we, we've had things happen to us. We were born with things that we wouldn't, if, if, if we had an option, we wouldn't take, like ailments, birth defects that we don't really want to deal with. We wish we were perfect, right? And so all of us have been victims of something in our, in our lives. But I want to be careful with calling you a victim because the Bible says in Proverbs that the tongue has the power of life and death. And when you call yourself something, when you say, I'm a victim of blank, Maybe without even knowing it, you're speaking death into your life. This is a really important one in our culture because everybody's a victim now. Safe space, trigger, issues, mad, why'd you do it? That person made me do it. Why are you angry? They made me angry. Why do you have road rage? Look at everybody. We're all victims of something. By definition, here's what a victim is. A victim is someone whose uncontrolled past circumstances are able to define and control their future. Something uncontrollable in your past is now able to define and and control. Your present ends up getting blamed, right, for what happened. In your future, it's held hostage. And I'm just of the belief that if you're a victim, you can't be more than a conqueror in Christ. If you're a victim, you can't walk in the victory that Christ won you on the cross. You can't be both of those. I just happen to believe that if you're a victim, you can't be who God created you to be. 
I think there's a better way to live. And so what I want to do is I want to work, work through this. I want to work through this victim mentality. Uh, I want to start in Deuteronomy chapter 28. Some of you are like, it means nothing to me. It's in the Old Testament. Uh, it's one of the first books of the Bible. And, and context is good. Audience is, is important. And so these, these people that he's talking to, they're victims. They, they, were, they were Jewish nationality, Jewish descent. They had lived for 400 years as slaves against their will in Egypt. And so generations after generations after generations had been abused, had been murdered, had been victimized. Jesus, or God sends Moses. Moses leads the people out of, out of Egypt to what the Bible calls is the promised land. He rescues them. But they still have a victim mentality. They still have a mentality that, that we're, all, we're always going to be messed up. People are always going to be against us. It's always going to be this. And to which Jesus, or God says in Deuteronomy 28, he says, the Lord will open the heavens. Watch what he says. The storehouse of his bounty to send rain on your land in season and to bless all the work of your hands. It's been really hard for you up to this point, but the Lord's going to make it easier for you. He says, your, your land, your country is going to lend to many nations, but borrow from none. It seems like America should read that, right? You're going to lend to many nations, but you're going to borrow from none. What a promise from scripture. And then he says this, the Lord's going to make you the head and not the tail. Some of you are a tail in your life. You ever see those costumes, the, ho- double, the double person horse costumes? You know what I'm talking about? I don't know how that conversation, if you flip a coin, what happens for you to end up in the butt side of the costume. But listen, if you're going to a costume party, Halloween, something like that, I can think of a million other costumes that I would want to be. Thor, Wolverine, Iron Man, Superman, Wonder Woman, anything. (laughs) Then the butt end of the back of the double person horse costume. Right? Why? Because you got somebody in the front, right? And I'm just picturing myself. This is a very intimate situation with one of my friends. I know, I know them, right? I know how they are. I know their body tendencies, right? And you're, you're in that suit and the head is leading you around. And as the tail, the butt end, you're in there and he's turning right and you're turning right and it's sweaty and it's hot. And, and I started thinking about that as a, as a spirit, like that's funny physically. Let's push that out of our minds now. And spiritually, many of you are, 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 are the tail end in your life. You're just led around. It stinks. It's hot. It's, it, it's humid. It's, it's not somewhere you, you want to be. And, and God says, I, I've, de- I've destined you. I've created you to be the, the head, not the tail. The head is leading. The head is able to, to make decisions. The head is in control. The tail is being led. The, the tail is a victim. The tail is living in response to what's been said and done to them. And I just want to lead you towards this because I'm just of the belief that you can experience Christ in your life and he can shatter the victim mentality. I, I, I believe you can rise above anything that's happened in your life and be victorious in Christ. I, I believe as a follower of Christ that you are never called to live in bondage over something that's happened to you in past circumstance. And I believe in Christ there's freedom. Amen. I believe in Christ you can begin to live your life opposite of how many of us do it. So many of us live our life and we make what other people have done to us bigger than what Jesus did for us. And I think you can get to the point where you make what Jesus did for you the crown jewel of your life. I think you understand that through Christ you're more than a conqueror. And so what I want to do is I want to spend some time in the book of Matthew chapter 5 and I just figured uh, if we're going to learn about not being a victim, let's learn from Christ. Let's, let's align our lives 
with his words. And Matthew chapter 5 is really cool because it's Jesus' first sermon on this earth. Like the, it's, it's, like, it's like the main one, like the, 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 the Beatitudes, the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, Matthew 6, Matthew 7. Like these are really powerful sermons. Like if there was Twitter back then, Jesus was throwing some hashtags right here. Jesus was speaking Jesus bars. Like he did the Beatitudes. He, he was going off. We could spend a whole year in the Sermon on the Mount. And I just, I, there's a part of it that I read that I'm like, this doesn't sound like Christians at all. This doesn't sound especially like American Christians, especially like 2020 and 2021 American Christians. Like it feels like the victim mentality is running rampant in our church, in our spiritual life. Like we're really constantly going out there is the root of the problem. And so Jesus speaks to listeners just like us. This was thousands of years after Deuteronomy, the Jewish people, and now Jesus is on the scene and now they're not slaves, but they're being controlled by the Roman Empire. So they, they were once slaves, then they were free, and then God didn't show up how they wanted him to show up, and now the Romans have taken over the world, and now the Romans are occupying their, their land, and it, it would be like for us, I watched a show one time, and the, the plot of the show was, what if we didn't win World War II? And half of America was, was controlled by the Japanese and the other half was controlled by the Germans and it looked very different. This is their, their land. Like they live in Israel and they worship, but it's impacted by, by the Romans. They have officials and guards and soldiers and they kind of do what they want. And so you have these people and they're angry and they want God to save them. They want God to rescue them, right? And so Jesus comes on the scene and speaks to victim people, the victimized people. They have a victim mentality. These people are mean to us, send us a savior to rescue us from it. Which, by the way, you ever, you ever filter your prayers? Don't a lot, aren't a lot of them like that? God, save me from this. God, take this person from me. God, kill him. <laughs> God, God, stop this. God, I want a different blank. Like, I, I need this in my life. This was their prayer, which, by the way, some of you have I've heard about Jesus, and you're like, how did they kill Jesus? Because Jesus was a pretty nice guy, but they put him on a cross and killed him because Jesus wasn't what they wanted him to be. They didn't want somebody to come and say, you get better. They wanted somebody to come and make their situation better. And this point of this message is not making your situation better and making the people better. It's about you growing up a little bit. It's about you spiritually changing a little bit, going to a new level, which is almost a place where you're untouchable by circumstances outside of yourself. And here's what Jesus says. He says, he says you've heard it said, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. He's going to start with, with, with what, you, what you know. This is, this is great public speaking. Here's what, how you're living right now. Eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. Here's what that meant. If somebody kicks you in the shin, you can't roundhouse them in the neck. Right? I know you do MMA on the side. That's not okay. You can kick them in the shin if you want. That's eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. If somebody steals $10 from you, you can't, you can't light their house on fire, right? Somebody kills your, your dog, you know, fairness, kill all the cats. That's fair, right? <laughs> like you, it's, just, it's just eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. You have kids, they do this. He hit me, I hit him back. He kicks me, I'll kick him back. I didn't go over and above what he did to me. He started it. 
This is the culture they live in. They are really immature, culturally acceptable, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. Jesus is going to attack the victim mentality right here. Watch, watch what he says. This is, this is Jesus' bars right here. He says, but I tell you, verse number 39, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek as well. If anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Give to the, the one who asks and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. You have heard it said, love your neighbor, hate your enemy. You ever read something fast, you're like, yeah, that's good. Here's how you live. Love your, you know, love your neighbor, hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray. This would have been outrageous to them. Pray for those who persecute you. Some of you are not going to hear anything else I say. That's the sermon right there. You want freedom when we leave today? When we stand up to pray, instead of closing your eyes and looking at your watch and wondering how long I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do the altar call? Looking around when I ask you to close your eyes. I see you, right? <laughs> instead, think of that person by name that you hate. And with all the grace you can muster, just begin to pray for them by name. Your life will change today. Something will shift in your spirit. Let me just give you a couple thoughts. That was a little extra for you. A couple thoughts on what Jesus says on how not to be a victim. How not to be a victim. Number one is this. Stop or don't respond like a victim. The very first thing people do, if, if you're a victim, is you respond like a victim. So two ways to live your life. One way, you live in response to what's been said and done and acted out and wrong. You live like that. Everything you do is about that. You're, you're, you talk to an addict, an addict has something wrong in their life. Somebody wronged them. There, nobody just gets addicted to, to drugs. You talk, you talk to somebody who can't get over. So oftentimes it's because of somebody else. And you live a, as a victim. Somebody did something to you, and so now you live the way you live. Or as a Christian, you live in response to what Jesus did for you. You fall more and more and more in love with the cross, salvation, and grace, and mercy, and you understand he keeps giving that to you, and you focus on that instead of focusing on all the wrong that's been done to you, and you begin to limp your way towards victory. It's not easy. It doesn't come overnight. The opportunity is going to continue to come for you to get revenge and get mad, but you just continue to stay focused on Christ. Live in response to what's been said and done to you. Live in response to what Jesus did for you. As simple as that. But victims, because they live in response to what's been said and done to them, they respond certain ways, right? And you know this if you have a house full of kids. What do victims do? Well, I kicked him, but what you didn't see is he was staring at me and breathing way too loud out of his mouth. <laughs> right? So I kicked him. So I did this. Why do that? I did this. If you have a kid, do they ever say, I did this because I'm a wretched, <laughs> awful sinner? That is yet, I need to kneel on my knees and repent to the Lord of Lords, right? For my awful actions. Father, forgive me for I have sinned, right? No, what do they say? Well, I did this because of... If you would have only had one of us instead of three of us, I'd be a perfect angel. This, this, is, this, is, a, this is a victim mentality. You, you respond like a victim. You, you blame other people. You constantly shift away responsibility from yourself. It's not my fault I live like this. It's somebody else's fault. In fact, I'm, I'm, I'm in, I follow a few pages on, on Facebook. One of them is called Baseball Dudes. 
My son started playing baseball again for his junior high team, and I coach a U8 team and a U12 team, and so I consider myself a really good coach, and so, and I take it really serious. Like, we're out for blood, right? Like, we want to win. Like, I, I, I don't do any of this. It doesn't matter if you win or lose crap. We don't keep score. We keep score, right? Everything is about keeping score, and so, so I'm really serious, so I try to give them, like, coaching, like, coaching quotes and, you know, encourage them. And I even, even for my staff, I'm, I, I want to be more like, like a coach. So I read this, 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 this quote on accountability this week. It was really good. It says, an umpire calls strike three. What does a typical batter do when they, get, when, they get, when they get called out? The batter walks back to the dugout and complains about the call, carries on about how they got screwed. You watch baseball, you see it. They give no attention, the same batter, to the pitches they swung at and missed, the belt-high pitch they took, and the balls they chased out of the, 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 the zone. Hashtag accountability. And I just think to myself, this is the way we live most of our lives. We are constantly pushing the accountability away from us. So Jesus, he takes that away from us. You see, the very first thing he said, this is really good. He starts with, with the, uh, the most offensive thing that could happen to them at that point. He says, if somebody slaps you on the cheek... Turn to them the other cheek and let them slap that one. Now, for us, that, what, is that, what does that mean? Well, in that culture, the most offensive, degrading, dehumanizing thing you could do to somebody is take your hand, turn it sideways, and slap somebody. I'm about to do the rock. Slap somebody <laughs> in the Rudy. <laughs> slap somebody in the cheek, open-handed. It, it, was, it was degrading. Some of you know this. You ever get hit in the face? You can, it can be fine. You're just playing. Everything's joking. You have kids. You're just playing and wrestling. They hit you in the face. You're like, <laughs> you don't even know what came over you. My bad, right? <laughs> Something happens when you get hit in the face. You get degraded. And what he was saying is, this is the most degrading thing you, you have in your culture. When somebody takes their hand and slaps you on, on the cheek, what I don't want you to do is cry out to God and get mad and tell everybody, just turn your other cheek and give them that as well. Which, which, by the way, in that time, to take the backhand and slap somebody on the cheek like this was degrading to the offender. You, you were actually saying, you're not taking my worth and my value from me. You're, by you hitting me like that, you are degrading yourself. It's taking the power back in your own life. You slap me on that cheek, I'm not going to complain about it. I'm not going to be a victim. I'm not going to respond in anger. If that's what makes you feel better, here's my other cheek as well. And I just want to encourage you. So many times in our lives, what he's doing is just take accountability. And what I found in my own life is when I don't take accountability for my actions, when I shift the blame in my life, I ended up just staying the same. I end up never, never growing. And so the first thing you're going to do is you're going to stop responding like a, like a victim. You're not going to put yourself in an unwinnable situation. You're not going to place a higher value on your victimizer than you do on your forgiver. You, you can't change when you do this because they're not really your problems anyways. They're somebody else's problems. I'm going to stop responding like a victim. Let me just give you two more. Number, number two is this, is you're going you're gonna to stop releasing like a victim. What happens is, when you respond the wrong way, you begin to hold, hold, hold things in. And you're going to stop releasing like a victim. What I found in my own life is a lot of times when you're the victim, you have a hard time giving things away because to you, that's the only thing you can control. So you don't want to give forgiveness and you don't want to let something go because control's been taken from you against your will. So you just want to control it. Now, 
There's some shows that I think are, are spiritually, have spiritual implications on TV. One of them is Hoarders. You ever watch it? Like, there's shows that I just can't not watch. Hoarders, Dr. Pimple Popper, I gotta see what happens. <laughs> Literally. I'm not, I'm not, it doesn't even gross me out. I'm like, I gotta see what happens. And so, like, but Hoarders has always, has always caught my attention. And I've always been amazed. You see somebody's house, they can't even get through, they're about to be condemned, they're losing relationships with their family, they can't even sleep on, on their bed, their, their, their refrigerator is disgusting, and you wonder to yourself, like, how do you get to that, that point? And the, the interesting thing is, every time you watch the show, they take you back in time and they tell you about this person's life. And what's often happened in this person's life is some kind of situation happened that they cannot control and they cannot fix. They lost something, and, and the implications of it now is they're trying to control and the funny thing is, they're controlling garbage. They're controlling filth. They're, con they're controlling uh, something at the expense of a healthy relationship or even a home that feels like a home. And you wonder to yourself, why don't you just throw it away? Because one of the, one of the, the hardest parts of the, of the show is when they bring the cleaning crew in and they start to throw things away. It's devastating to that person because they're losing control and they just want to hold on to it. For us people that don't struggle with it, we're going to do throw it away. It's moldy cheese from 1997. <laughs> but think about it spiritually. We might not physically struggle like that, but spiritually, some of you are holding on to, to moldy cheese from your past. It's expired. It no longer brings any value to your life. And, and you hold on to it. Jesus deals with this. He says, if somebody sues you and wants to shirt off your back, he says, give him your coat as well. In other words, we're going to deal with this thing. Here's, here's the struggle that most of us have. If I let this go, uh, I don't know what's going to come. Or, or if I let this go, I don't know if the Lord can bring to me what he needs to bring to me. And I just want to encourage you in, in a few thoughts, if I, if I can do that. Because we've all been through stuff. And our, and, our, and our human thinking is something's been taken. Some of you not married. Somebody stole something from you. Some of you kid-wise, some of you job-wise, something's been stolen and taken from you, and you look at your life, and I don't know if God can bring it, so then you want to hoard, and you want to control, and you want to hold on to things, and you're wondering if God can do it, and I just want to tell you something that I realized in, in Scripture, and here's what it is, and I say it to myself a lot when I feel like a victim. Listen, nobody can take anything from you that the Lord intended for you to have. Nobody. Nobody can stop God's hand in your life. Nobody. That's from the book of Acts, by the way. Jesus, he comes, dies, comes back to life. The religious people are mad. They can't find the body of Jesus because he went back to heaven. But guess what? He sent the Holy Spirit. And now the same power that they tried to kill was in all of his followers. And they're preaching. And people are getting saved. And they bring John and Peter in. And they tell them to stop preaching. And John and Peter are no longer scared of the religious leaders because they are filled with the Holy Spirit and the boldness of God. And so they start preaching. And one of the older religious guys, Gamaliel, comes and says, listen, we can't. We, we, got, we got to figure out a different way to handle this. So let's just let them be. And if God is not for it, it'll fade out. But he said, men of the, of the committee, he said, he said, if God is for this, no man can stop it. And I just want to, like some of you are like, I can't let this go. Listen, some of you, God's saying, let this go so that I can bring life. You're holding on to death. Let me bring, let me bring life to you. Stop releasing like a victim. Let me just give you one more, one more thought. This one, this one's important. Number, number three, uh, 
You're going to stop roaming like a victim. So here's what happens. The Bible says, as you think, so you become. Right? This is why I don't like to call myself certain things. Like if, if you struggle with addiction, I wouldn't call myself an addict. I just wouldn't. In Christ, I'm a brand new creation, the Bible says. Right? Some of you, 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 you struggle with, with lust, and you'll say it's just genetically in my system to, be, to look at pornography and lust. No, no, no. I think, I think you're speaking death in your life. No, with, with Christ, you're, you're pure. With, with Christ, you're a new person. With Christ, you're an overcomer. Right? Some of you have a really hard time controlling your mouth. You're like, I'm just hot-tempered. Are you? Because the Bible says, as you speak, so you become. Right? And so you, you can see this. As you think, so, so you become. You can see this in, in practical ways in, in your life, right? Like, like uh, you ever watch somebody uh, get out of a nice car versus get out of a, a, a beater? <laughs> they look different. And not, I'm not judging them, but the walk is different. You see some guy or girl get out of a nice car to get out. You can almost hear music playing behind them. You can't tell, but, right? And you just... And then there's other times you get out of, you get out, I've had cars that they beep, they make sounds, and you're just like parking all the way. Why aren't we parked closer to the building? Because I don't want anybody to see my hoopty, right? You different walk. Shoes? Any shoe people in here? You ever put on a new pair of shoes? You just got to walk with you, right? You know what I'm saying? This is a walk you do. I remember buying my, 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 my first son his first pair of basketball shoes. We got him at Foot Locker at Coventry Mall. That's how long ago it was. And he got them because sometimes we'll walk back to the mall and we walk through the gap, but it's now an exit. It's really sad for me. And I remember that, that we got him shoes and I, he, he got the shoes and he walked out there with Nikes and he was by, by the, uh, the, wind, the, the, the windows walking out of Foot Locker and he was just looking at himself walking. And, and then and he was like running and I'm like, just shoes made the man. Haircut, same way. Like as you, you think, so you become. And here's the thing. Some of you, you think like a victim. You respond like a victim. You hold on like a victim, and then you begin to walk this earth with victim mentality. Everywhere you look, people are out to get you. Everywhere you look, something is being taken from you. So I love the last part. It's my favorite part of it. It's, it's, this is like the part where Jesus drops the mic and walks off. He says, if anybody asks you to walk one mile, under your own power, your own decision, go two miles with them. What, what does that mean? Well, in that day and age, the Roman soldiers, they had all sorts of gear. They could come to a Jewish person, any Jewish person, at any time, in any situation. I want you to think about this if you're a single guy and you were trying to impress a girl. Single Jewish guy trying to impress a girl. You're throwing game, you know. You should see my camel. He's all souped up back there, you know what I mean? And you're throwing game. And Butch, the Roman soldier, comes walking by, takes off all of his gear. It's over 100 pounds, by the way, because those dudes were big dudes. And he drops it at your feet and he says, carry it in that moment the girl that you're throwing game on right you're trying to impress her you are embarrassed you are victimized you have to pick it up you can barely carry it because you're not a soldier and you have to in a humble belittling way carry behind the soldier for a mile just a mile how many of you knew that 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 most jewish people probably made that mile really long mile for the roman soldiers 5,280 feet of complaining so jesus says listen they probably said, well, why, don't you, why don't you do something about the soldiers making us carry their stuff? Why don't you fix that? And Jesus says, here's how we're going to fix it. Next time Butch comes to you and asks you to carry his bag for a mile, go two miles. Say, what? Don't let him dehumanize you. Don't let him degrade you. Put that on. And while you're going, sing a little bit. 
And while you're singing, talk and ask him questions about his family. And go two miles. How does that look in our own lives? I don't know. Let's be really practical with it. The next time you go to your house and you feel like you're victimized because you're the sibling that does all the work. You show up early, you stay late, you clean, you cook, you respect and honor your parents. You don't take them for granted at all. And then your other sibling comes late, leaves early, doesn't clean the dishes, and you're stuck. Listen, you go the one mile by being there on time and doing all the things. The two miles is going, I'm going to whistle while I clean all these dishes. I'm going to whistle while I work. Two miles. Next time you're driving and somebody cuts you off from New York... I'm just saying, because I was at Dunkin' Donuts today, and it was really early, and usually I'm the only person in line, and we do online pickup, and I just say, the order's for Leah, and we pick it up, and there was a dude in New York in front of us, like, he had never been to Dunkin' Donuts before, and I'm trying to get to church, and he's taking three hours to order, you know what I'm talking about, New Yorkers? I almost rammed the back of his car, but I was coming to church, right? And next time you're driving, and you're on, a, you're on the highway, and, and, a, and somebody from New York cuts you off then you go a little bit down 76 and you hit you hit the traffic that they hit and they're yielding for some reason because there's always yielding into one lane and that person that cuts you off is now in the wrong lane and they're coming to the side and you're there and you're in between them and getting in the right lane and you're like yes 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 you want to drive by you're just gonna slow down and let let them come in this is this this is this is literally freeing in your life I'm I'm not only going to go one mile complaining. I'm going to go two miles with with a great attitude. I'm going to roam like I'm more than than a conqueror in my life. You know, there's there's, there's two ways to live. Live in response. What's been done to you, live in response to what Jesus did for you. There's a story I read one time about this this farmer. He had a donkey. And uh, his donkey fell in a a hole, a deep hole, a well. And uh, he tried everything he could to get him out couldn't even see him just heard him crying I don't know how it sounds but it was sad and he tried a rope and he tried all these these ways and finally he just was like this donkey's been a great animal great farmhand he's old and I can't get him out so the best thing to do is put him out of his misery so he called all of his neighbors and he said we're, we're gonna we're gonna bury this donkey put him out of his misery I don't want him to suffer so they started picking up shovels of dirt and they throw it on top of the, the donkey down the then you would and you would just the dirt would just go down and and the donkey went from crying to screaming because he realized they're trying to bury me right and he went from screaming and he's screaming as they're they're, it's it's emotional they're putting the dirt on top of them the farmer he's close with his animals he's burying this animal this donkey screaming until a few moments into it they don't hear anything and although they're sad they're like okay it's over but as they keep dumping the dirt, and they're like, we got to finish the, the job. They keep dumping the, the dirt, and the shadow begins to emerge. It's the donkey. He's not screaming. He's not crying anymore. He's resolute. They're dumping the, 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 the dirt on him, and they look down, and he gets up into the light where they can see what he's been doing. And what he's been doing, instead of crying, instead of being a victim of a situation, they were dumping the dirt down on him. When the dirt would get down on his back, he would do a little donkey shuffle, and the dirt would come down on the floor, and he would step up on it, and the next bounce of dirt would come down, and he would shake it off, and he would step up on the floor until finally he got to the top of the well. They put that dirt in. He took one step, took another step, did a little donkey shuffle, and strutted out. And I'm just telling you, there's two ways to live. 
You're going to be in a well. And there's going to be crap and dirt thrown in your life. And you can decide, I'm going to let this bury me. I'm going to let this define me. I'm going to sit here and complain. Or you can shake it off and get out of the well. And I just got to tell you something. In Christ, that's what you're called to be. In Christ, there's victory today. In Christ, there's the ability to overcome. In Christ, there's the opportunity to become a brand new creation. The old is dead and gone. You know how I know this? Because Jesus, my Savior, my example, was the greatest victim this world has ever known. Think about it. He was perfect. He did nothing wrong. He carried truth. And they put him on a cross and they murdered him. His friends who he invested in and took care of, who constantly let him down, on the hardest night of his life, they all abandoned him. The same people who a week before he was put on the cross chanted, Hosanna, Hosanna, are now shouting, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. The same Roman guards that he came to die for are spitting on him and mocking him. And the Bible says that he wasn't a victim. That he found victory through it all so that me and you could follow his example. Could do what he did. Could become who he has called us to become. It's your choice. Live in response to what's been done to you. Live in response to what Jesus did for you. Would you stand with me all over at this house and would you bow your heads and close your eyes? I wonder who's here today. Who said, man, you're, you're talking to me, Pastor. You're talking to me. Montgomeryville. I know it feels like you're, you're in a whole different world because you're not physically in this room with us. But the most important person is there with you. Spirit of God. The same spirit that is in Phoenixville is, is filling that room right there. And we're all people. We're all people. We've all been through stuff. We all have the opportunity to, to be angry and to be resentful and to be bitter. But because of Christ, we all have the opportunity to be a conqueror. We have an opportunity to live life and life to the full, the Bible says. And Jesus is here right now. His presence is powerful in this moment. So I know there's somebody listening to my voice both here in Montgomeryville and that you need freedom. You are filled with hatred and bitterness and resentment. It's not only impacted your, 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 your upbringing and your past, but right now it's impacting your relationships with other people. Every time that you have the opportunity to confess that you need a Lord and Savior, you blame somebody else. I wouldn't be like this if it didn't happen to me. I wouldn't act like that if this wasn't done to me. That's hopeless talk. That's buried in the, the well under the dirt talk. That's not Jesus talk. Because in Christ, you're more than a conqueror. In Christ, you're a brand new creation. In Christ, you're the head and not the tail. He won the victory. You follow him. He'll change you. He'll set you free. He'll heal you. He'll break addictions. He'll do what only he can do. Now God's here. He came to this earth to die for your sins. He rose in power. 
It's through him you have freedom. It's through him you have the promise of eternity. It's through him you have a relationship with your creator. It's through him. The Bible says this. It says, if anyone would call on the name of Jesus, the name above all names, that you'd be saved. It's as simple as that. I'm here. You're talking to me. I don't understand everything that's happening, but I know that I need a relationship with Jesus Christ right now. So we're going to pray as we close. Maybe you've never prayed before in your life. I'm going to lead you. And all you're going to say is, you're talking to me. Jesus, I want you to come into my life. I want you to set me free. I want you to forgive my sins. Jesus, I want you. I want you. I want a relationship with you. I want to leave this place victorious. I want to leave this place in freedom. So come on, if that's you, all over our houses, you're in, you're in, you're in Montgomeryville, you're, you're here in Phoenixville, you're watching online right now, and man, I'm talking to you, and you need a relationship with Jesus Christ. I'm not going to make you come forward or call you out, but I want to lead you in prayer, and I want to know that that's you today. So if I'm talking to you right now, unashamedly and with courage, the Lord is speaking to me. Right now, I want Jesus to be the Lord of my life. Come on, if that's you, would you just begin to shoot your hand all the way towards heaven and say, man, you're, you're talking to me. I see a hand over here. Is there anybody else? Say, hey, pastor, that's me. That's me. You're talking to me. I see another hand right here. You're in Montgomeryville. You're just going to keep your hand held high, and they're going to let me know. If you're online, you're just going to type in the chat, hey, that's me. Uh, I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life. Let's just begin to pray all over our houses. Lord, we love you. Lord, we thank you for this day. Lord, I thank you that today is, is a moment of freedom. That's what happens when you walk into the room. That's what happens when you show up. Captives are set free, the Bible says. The dead are alive. Lord, you put people back together. You restore what was broken and seemed lost forever. So, Lord, you're doing something significant right now as people say, Jesus, I want a relationship with you. I want you to come into my life. I give you everything that I am, my past, my present, and my future. Jesus, be my Lord and my Savior. As they pray something simple like that, Lord, something is happening. Something is shifting. Their mind is changing. Their heart is being healed, Lord. The weight of the world is being lifted from their shoulders because Scripture says, come to you if we're weary and laden, and you will give us rest. For your yoke is easy and your burden is light. So, Lord, thank you for all that you're doing. Thank you for those in Montgomeryville and online that are responding to the gospel. And, Lord, as we close this prayer out, Lord, there's, there's people in these rooms that they have deep resentment and hurt and anger towards somebody specifically in their life. And here's what's going to happen right now. They're going to begin to pray by name for that person. Somebody in this place, they have somebody that's dead. And they're still mad. And they still don't know how to get over. And when they think about it, they just get mad all over again. And they get hurt all over again. And Lord, right now, they're going to pray by name for that person. Thank you for that person, Lord. Thank you for what they, what they were in my life. If nothing else, they were responsible for making me, bringing me to this planet. And Lord, thank you, Lord, that, that, that I had that opportunity to be here, Lord. And, and now you're using my life regardless of the things that were done to me. In spite of them, Lord, maybe something like that. Or maybe there's a family member that we haven't talked to for a long time that deeply hurt us. We're just going to begin to pray by name for that person. We're going to thank God for them, Lord. Would you reach them? Would you change them? Would you show them the same grace and mercy that you've showed us? And Lord, something is changing right now in this atmosphere because of our willingness to humble ourselves in your presence, Lord. Thank you for what you're going to do. Thank you for what you continue to do in this church as we leave this place. We want to represent you in everything we think, say, and do. Jesus, thank you for all that you did here today. In your name we pray. One more time, church, let's shout amen together. Let's clap all over this place. Thank you for taking a few minutes out of your day to listen to our podcast. 
If you decided to give your life to Jesus after hearing this message, or want to learn more about how you can join us in person, visit jrny.church for more resources or to find a location near you. Have a great rest of your day.